0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. A punitive road pricing scheme aimed at forcing people out of their cars could see commuters paying as much as 38 euro to drive from Maynooth to Dublin city centre. Now, as much as? Probably not going to be that high but it would, might be significant anyway. Uh, the idea is being considered by the state's transport infrastructure body. Now, I'm joined by transport consultant Conor Faulkner, a coordinator of the Stop Climate Chaos Coalition, Sive O'Neill, and by political correspondent with the Irish Daily Mail, Brian Mann, who has written this and has put it right across the front of the Irish Daily Mail. Good morning, Brian.
1: Morning, Pat. How are you
0: doing? I, I, I'm grand. I, I just got a shock when I saw your headline this morning. Uh, a small fortune to get a uh, buy car from uh, Maynooth to Dublin city centre. And imagine driving, say, Dublin to Cork. What might that co- cost me? So where does this come from?
1: Yeah, well, uh, I think the principle of the point is, is twofold. One is the government is set to lose, I think, 1.5 to 2 billion euro per year um, kind of over the next 10 years every year. Um, because more and more cars will go electric, and therefore the state will be getting the, the tax on the petrol and diesel. So it needs to find a way to get that money back, number one. But number two, it wants to get more and more people off of the road, driving on the road, and want to get more people into public transport. So I think this road user charge, which is effectively a charge per kilometre, would try and kind of kill two birds with one stone, as it were.
0: Now, uh, the, the figure of uh, €38, Euro, where does that come from?
1: So the what the TAI did is they looked at a number of kind of I guess kind of average journeys. So Dublin to Manute, Dublin to Cork, Galway to Limerick, and then they kind of they put four or five different kind of models on top of it. So they kind of put a minimum price on which I think put it at seventy cent for between kind of Dublin and Manute. They put a maximum price on to, the c- to really dis- discourage people from from driving a, a car at all. And then they had three or four other options in between, depending on whether they'd charge someone if they had an electric vehicle or if they wanted to just simply recoup the amount of money that the state was already losing. So the 163 from Dublin to Cork, for example, is if the state wants to be incredibly prohibitive and wanted to discourage somebody from uh, dr- uh, driving a car.
0: Now, uh, you are, of course, the political correspondent, not the traffic correspondent, Mm -hmm. so therefore you look at the political possibilities for introducing anything like this. What say you?
1: Yes. Uh, I think that any government uh, of any hue uh, would have a significant challenge uh, introducing this. I think uh, this would be introduced, uh, and I think it's a matter of when it's introduced, in the next 10, 5, 10, 12 years, this is something that is going to happen, but it is going to be introduced slowly, incrementally, over time, and I think uh, I was speaking to sources about this story, they indicated to me that people in rural Ireland would be charged less per kilometre uh, because that's, that's about fairness and equity. It's also about the political reality that rural Ireland would go absolutely bananas if they were told they were being charged uh, this as well. And also, they just simply don't have access to public transport in the way people in, in Dublin City or Galway or Cork do. Mm.
0: Now, all they have to do is look across the water uh, to Boris Johnson's old constituency where there was a by election mm-hmm. last week to learn the lessons of being punitive about charging people for access to the capital city. Uh, Labour did reduce Boris Johnson's old majority to a few hundred votes, but they should really have taken that seat. And um, the answer to why they didn't take the seat was uh, Sadiq Khan's plans to extend the charging zone.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, um, you know, the. But the, the reality is, is every go- the Irish government, has signed up, has signed itself up to be net ne- ne- uh, carbon neutral by 2050 by reducing its emissions uh, by 50 percent by 2030. So these are, but these are the really big fundamental decisions that any government, whether it's Sinn Féin in government, the Greens in government, Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael in government, will simply have to take over the next ten years. And it doesn't matter who's in government. These are the things that it, that are going to face any government uh, over the next decade.
0: I just, uh, I can't see the political path through this particular uh, uh, conundrum. All right, Brian, look, thank you very much for bringing us uh, that story. Um, Connor Faulkner, you are uh, famously against tolls. You think they uh, don't do the job that they say they were intended to do when they were uh, initially implemented. What do you say about road pricing?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, tolls are very, very frustrating because the amount of collateral consequences that they have. If you toll one particular point, you cause diversion and that causes all sorts of disruption that you don't want. Uh, so beware of unintended consequences. Now, road pricing is an interesting one because... Uh, and, and, oh, you know, because uh,
0: you're caught, at, you can't do a rat run to avoid a, a toll on
2: a motorway if every road is charged. Yeah, and you know, potentially there's a path to equity there because we kind of have to do something. And the point has been made, uh, fossil fuel is on the way out. Now, we're, we're sitting here in 2023, but we'd imagine this a policy that will be relevant for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And in fairly short order, bar a tail. All of the private vehicles on the road will be electric. Uh, So what then is your argument? Government's problem is that they lose about one and a half to two billion euro per annum in revenue. And they simply can't afford to do that. And even when I was lobbying at my most furious on behalf of the AA for reductions in petrol and diesel prices, even I never advocated that they should be tax free. Um, You know, that's not sustainable for government. So they need to replace the tax revenue. In parallel, but actually completely different, is the climate argument. Um, and government historically does this pivot between the two. They care about tax revenue. They wave a climate flag in the air. Look how virtuous we're being. We care about climate. They don't. And the thing about these measures is that the more effective they are, the less revenue they raise. So if your purpose is to stop car use, for example, you could succeed in doing it, but you'll erode your revenue base. Same as cigarettes. You can't really...
0: Tax them and tax
2: them until nobody can afford them and then you lose all the revenue. Yeah, so you can't really ride both horses in different directions. The other thing I would say morally is we may not like it, but I accept... The taxation argument. I think motoring and transport, private transport, is always something that will legitimately be taxed, and I, I say that as a you know motoring rep for years. But I'm sure that will you know happen. Um, on the climate argument, however, cast your mind a few years into the future. If all cars are zero emission and all cars are running on sustainably generated electricity, then there simply isn't. A climate climate argument against the car. And you should stop waving the climate flag in Mm. the air. Now, there are plenty of people who don't like cars for other reasons... And that's entirely fair. It's an argument that can be made. You know, Congestion, for example, in our cities needs to be managed. We do prefer to have people on public transport. But, but
0: the, don't but forget the congestion are... argument a lot of the time is about emissions, that you're, you've got all these petrol and diesel cars uh, bumper to bumper on the roads emitting all this toxic stuff that yeah. uh, people living in the cities are going to, to breathe in and therefore it leads to lung disease and all the rest of and it. very but, strong But that, that suddenly yeah. vanishes if
2: everything's electric. Yeah, and if all of those arguments are gone. That I think people who begin with the desire to get rid of cars and then attach to that desire the justification of convenience, whether it's congestion or the environment, uh, I think, again, like government, uh, you, you have to sort of reassess and come at that problem honestly, because you cannot continue to wave the climate flag in the air even when all vehicles okay. are zero emission. So, so, so,
0: so side i um, coordinator side coordinator of the Stop Climate Chaos coalition uh, this business that if uh, as the minister would like eventually we're all driving ele- electric vehicles or trucks might be hydrogen powered which uh, have just water as the emission um the argument the climate argument against the private motor vehicle or any other motor vehicle vanishes.
3: Well, I can think of lots of arguments against cluttering up our towns and cities with cars, but just to step That's a different back a bit, argument, though. It's not a climate um, argument. No, but there are lots of other dimensions to it that have to be considered holistically. Um, you know, you have to consider the total environmental and social costs of uh, car dependency. But just to roll back a little bit, because I think there might be a misunderstanding, unless I, unless there's something I haven't picked up correctly in the last day <laughs> over government policy, there is no political proposal to introduce congestion charges. This is a study that was conducted by TII as part of a series of um, activities that they would normally undertake. And it's a kind of an economic model of like what level of charge would you have to introduce in order to generate that level of demand reduction? So that's the way modelling works. And it's not a political proposal. So when I was looking at congestion charges and how they were introduced in cities around Europe, and there's many examples now of them being introduced very successfully with popular support in referenda. It all forms part of a bigger discussion about the role of cars in cities. And it usually began with a kind of transition plan, you know, a transition management where you'd get all the stakeholders together, you'd look at all the options and you'd introduce a range of measures. Some of them would be kind of experimental, like what do we do about parking charges? What do we do about time of use? So you need to be innovative. And the way this is being introduced, I think, will only... Only get people's backs up if we discuss it in terms of the minister is going to charge you €38 Euro to come from Maynooth into Dublin City. That's not being proposed. Nobody is going to get behind that. And I know for a fact that politicians are extremely nervous about this particular conversation. It's not bedded down in any concrete mm. way in the programme for government. So it's not going to happen anytime mm. soon. But, given, but we given, do given need to article, talk about it. We need to be talking about it. Stop Climate
0: Chaos yes, Coalition. I want now, to stop climate chaos. Yeah. Yes. So if everyone's driving electric... What is yes. the climate argument against the electric car?
3: Well, the climate is not just about the emissions that go to the atmosphere. I mean, our, we're in a biodiversity crisis. We're in an environmental crisis. That is more than just the emissions that are being you know, trapped in the atmosphere. So the climate argument is absolutely no, it, it, urgent. Let's
0: stick to the car.
3: Okay, if you're talking about climate specifically, then you're talking about tailpipe emissions. But you also have to think about the total life cycle cost of manufacturing and using cars and the the cost of that in terms of material use and the burden on the road infrastructure, which is one of the reasons why we tax cars. And that is true of electric vehicles even more than ordinary vehicles because they tend to be heavier because of the batteries. We also have an issue with freight, which we rarely discuss in the public media. Um, Freight uh, is predominantly... Uh, diesel and very heavy, does a lot of damage to the road network. And this sector also has to be decarbonised. It's much more yeah. difficult to get trucks into uh, batteries. But, but the into hydrogen
0: trucks. is coming for trucks. It's already there for, for
3: trucks experimenting. Hydrogen and, 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 and batteries and electric uh, trucks. Uh, and that's going to require infrastructure, charging. It's a whole transition that needs to happen on the freight side as well. So the climate argument is about emissions, but we have to be holistic about it and think about the total environmental cost, and every measure we do it has to be fair. And we know already that car dependency and policies that facilitate uh, the private vehicle generate and drive inequalities okay. can between I, can rich I just and poor say, people. Um, Most sorry, in inner city communities sorry, people don't if, own cars but they have the ones with the burden of pollution. If I
0: was in London I wouldn't have a car. If I was in Paris yeah. I wouldn't have a car. These are cities I'm quite familiar with because the metro system is very effective. So I might have to walk you know, maybe half a kilometre to yeah. get to a station, a metro station or a subway station, whatever. Uh, in New York, I would never have a car, you know, because the the public transport options are really, really good. Yeah. Our problem here is that we're depending on uh, buses and bus connects in a city that is not really well designed for those kind of things, narrow roads uh, sure. and, and so sure. on and so forth.
3: I, I hear you. But in cities where they've introduced congestion charges like London or whatever, one of the interesting features about those policy proposals and initiatives is that they use the revenues to support public transport and active travel. At the moment, we don't have a revenue raising mechanism for cities to manage traffic and to divert cars and to divert traffic. They don't have the power, they don't have the resources to do that. So that's another argument in favour of congestion charges, is that instead of giving the money to the toll booth, we're giving it to the local authorities if it's designed well.
2: Mm, yeah, well, you, you can hear the sound of the goalposts being moved. And as I say, there's over two million car users in Ireland and they will listen to this and say, oh, for heaven's sake, we were talking about tailpipe right up until the moment when tailpipe ceased to be relevant and then barely pausing for breath We've pulled another justification out of the air to continue hammering car use. You've got to be honest about that. If your default position is you want to stop car use and it's nothing to do with climate, say so. At least yeah, we're being well, honest, rather than pulling justifications out of the air. Now, I would fair,
3: invite Connor to read our submission under the Climate Action Plan because we, we have raised a lot of concerns about the uh, reliance on EVs to achieve uh, okay. targets. So, you know, we, we are quite consistent.
2: About OK, this. so you yeah. certainly are consistent uh, because irrespective of circumstances or facts or anything that changes, the default position will be anti-car. And I'll certainly concede that you've been consistent on that. However, back in the city, if you look at Dublin, for example, and there was stories about this, uh, I think, on News Talk Today Dublin city centre is in danger of being hollowed out. The office population is diminishing. The retailers are struggling mightily. You'll see vacant stalls on Grafton Street and the Stephens Green Centre. It's alarming. Those city centre traders need the city to be vibrant, to have an economy. And if your your anti-car position effectively becomes a deadweight tax on movement that is hostile to cities, you know, you might have a lovely picnic area in the centre of Dublin, but you won't have an economy. And that is something that, as I say, if that's your vision be honest about it. But you're not being honest when you continually say climate to just justify a whole host of things that have actually got nothing to do with climate.
3: Well, I I would dispute that because, in fact, there's been a very interesting studies showing the economic cost of car dependency and the economic benefits to switching to active travel. So some of the studies that I was referring to there about congestion charges, in, in, I think in Denmark particularly, they analysed the economic benefit of when there's a modal switch to cycling. They had a very low level of cycling back in the 1970s in Copenhagen. I think it was about 10%. And with various initiatives over the years, they've increased that to 35%. But it's actually added to the economic activity. Somebody else referred to me recently, a study which showed that the there is more economic value to adding bicycle parking outside of um, a shop, an, a standard retail shop, than even outdoor dining. And it, there's more economic value, between, you know, again, yeah. over if, a if, car parking if space. If your bike is safe. No, There's no, a no. huge but, but that, industry that, 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 of bicycle
0: theft in Dublin City, is. as you know. There, there
3: is. And that's just got to be dealt with. But the, the point I'm making is that people say that this is going to damage the economy. And it's not true. It, the economic cost is borne by us in terms of our health when we have to deal with emissions, the stress of noise, uh, you know, severance and... Car dependency makes public transport a lot less efficient and it makes our journeys longer. So everything we do to support public transport and active travel is more equitable. It's greener, it's cleaner. And yes, it's good for the climate.
2: Uh, Copenhagen has done a great job on cycling without road pricing, by the way, but it's a good exemplar. They've done a lot of things that Dublin could have done and hasn't done as well. Um, Nevertheless, again, you know, if if you picture traders and investors in Dublin city centre uh, now now being preached at, as to what's best for their business. You you, you know what's good. We know what's good for you. And I don't think it stacks up from a climate perspective. And as I say, if the tailpipe emissions are gone, then your comments about noise quality and about emissions and stuff, they're, they're gone too. Yeah, um, but but the
3: reality is they're not gone. I mean, we have an increase in travel demand, we have more and more SUVs than ever, and jo- we don't have high enough rates of EVs to achieve our targets. so we're, tailpipe emissions haven't gone away, you know. We're
2: talking, Sive, about a putative future tax system when tailpipe emissions are gone. That's today's Daily Mail article. You're right, by the way, in saying they've been a little bit alarmist. Nobody's going to charge 38 quid to come from a nooth It feels like a lot of this sort of Uh, brainstorm early ideas from the flip chart have appeared in the Daily Mail as if they were real and I think that degree of alarmism probably does nobody any good in the debate but in the long term we have to replace fossil fuel emissions because we're going to stop using fossil fuels and that's a wonderful and a great thing when that happens as that happens if you want to stay honest in the conversation you have to honestly say that you don't like cars in your cities and the other thing is that you can't just repeat as a mantra that there's a downside to cars without ever counting an upside Uh, I mean People listening to us now might, you know, you've got elderly relatives living down the west of Ireland who you can visit at the weekend because of the miracle of car use. So we shouldn't pretend that everything about this is just, uh, you know, a monstrous hangover from the 20th century that's doing us enormous societal okay. harm. That's just a cartoon stereotype. Side, that isn't last well, words. isn't
3: I, I think you're trying to say that I'm anti-car and I maybe I am, but I own one mm. and I drive it occasionally. And I'm very happy to have it. And nobody is talking about eliminating cars. Um, nobody is that idealistic, unfortunately. It's just not going to happen. But we have such a long way to go to increase our standard of public transport access and availability and make our cities less hostile to cyclists and pedestrians. And I, I, I think that's going to require some tough decisions and uh, we need to sit down yeah. and talk and about no them. And no government will be capable of making it,
0: them. It, <laughs> it, it, sorry,
2: i just say it is fundamentally wrong to think that you must Frustrate car use in order to improve public transport. Simply Mm. not true. Wherever public transport's good, it's full. Build good public transport. You won't need to reach for sticks and wands. People will use it. All right. We will leave it there. Conor Faulkner, transport uh, consultant
0: and CEO of the RIAC, Simon Neal, coordinator of the Stop Climate Chaos Coalition, and before that, we heard from Brian Mann, political correspondent with the Irish Daily
2: Mail.